Welcome to a new year and a new episode of Dirt City Limits. I'm Sandra Speronis. This week we're going to tackle a few topics. Coachella, cell phones at concerts, and coming up with a few New Year's resolutions for the city of Edmonton. Joining me are a few illustrious members of Edmonton's music scene. Rebecca and Ryan Anderson are wine connoisseurs and the voices behind F&M, a pop noir trio who were shortlisted for this year's Edmonton Music Prize. And Craig Martell is a talent buyer for Bohemia and the Almanac, a new venue on White Avenue. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank yeah. you. Okay, first off, we have to start with the wine that Rebecca and Ryan brought in. Right. Do tell. So we were on tour in BC in the fall, right? In yeah. the fall, yes. Yeah, and then basically we did a, <laughs> we uh, were playing in, I think, Kelowna at, what's the name of the place? It doesn't matter. But Streaming were, Cafe. You yeah. can watch the video if you look it up. Yeah. <laughs> so we did wine uh, tastings the whole day and then showed up a little bit tipsy for the show and, and had a good time. But it was, uh, so what we brought was from the Okanagan Valley, and there's not much about this one. It was kind of a cheesy bottle. And if I had a picture, which I'll Instagram it later, but it's called I Do. <laughs> and it's a bubbly rosé. Um, and it's kind of... Great. I like it. What do you think, Sandra? Yeah, it's got a strawberry kind of flavor to it. Yeah, it's a Definitely. blend of Riesling and a kiss of Merlot in a pink hue. So I'm trying to see. It's by Intrigue Wines, which is a small little place. <laughs> it's the uh, Punk Rock Winery of the oh. BC region. Not at all. There's actually one called. <laughs> there's actually there actually is one where the uh, the uh, in the BC Valley that they made an ice wine with Mick Jagger. So yeah, that's Ex like Nihilo. Really? Yeah, Ex Nihilo. The mm-hmm. guy's from Sherwood Park actually, but he moved out there. Oh gosh, you know it. You know so much about wine. I don't. Our old our old bass player Brian Epp. He's a sommelier and he was great and he was just up. But uh, no, I I feel like it's a good addition. We have Tom Marino <laughs> in our band. Yeah. And he's not a wine snob as so much as he like it's there, it's free, it's great, it's your wine, great, fantastic. So I don't know. But and yeah. Craig doesn't drink, so what do no. you bring in for him? Oh, should um, you explain? Should it's you outrageous. Describe it, outrageous. Craig. It's uh, by a a company called Real Brew, mm-hmm. and it's a ginger ale, and it's actually really good because it has sort of not the crappy ginger ale flavor, but right. more of a real ginger flavor, which I'm into. Do you nice. get earthy tannins from it? You know what's you know what's interesting. I know I know it's a joke, but I become like a since I stopped drinking, um, and even when I didn't drink, I knew a ton about beer, right? And like kept learning more and more about beer. But I become a bit of a soda pop connoisseur, right? where I scour the town and find like really rare bottles, and then I put them in my fridge at home, and I drink one maybe like every two weeks. But then people come over and drink it all on me. Is that right? It happens a lot. You have pop thieves. As well, well, just sort of like. Like I'm like, there's like a case of cola in there for you to drink. Right. So I feel like I don't know why you would direct yourself to what is clearly a collection of <laughs> really rare pop, but that's what happens. What's your favorite kind of pop? Like flavor? Yeah. Um. Well, I have a I have a real nostalgia for Fresca. I drink Fresca all the time. Yeah. But as far as like other kind of pops go, I'm really into like uh, non grenadine flavored cream sodas. Is there a holy grail of pop for you? Um, my favorite is uh, a socialist themed, um, a socialist themed carbonated lemonade okay. called Leninade. Uh. It's amazing. <laughs> so, and we were in Russia, and they have their own first Coke. Didn't they say it was the first pop? Remember that bear cola? And it tastes like cola, but really cinnamony. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of it. it did have a bear on it. Yeah. So. We're off pop. topic already. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. Didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even been on topic yet. It's great. Okay, 
Uh, we'll start with Coachella. The mm. festival announced this year's lineup, which includes Calvin Harris and two reunions, Guns N' Roses and LCD Sound System. Are these enough to entice you guys to go? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, okay, number one, I don't think I am the person that they are targeting towards. Um, I, yeah, maybe I'm not the best person to talk to about Who festivals. Um, I think guys that want to go and party. It's not so much about the music. It's just the atmosphere. And then maybe, yeah, I'm probably not the best person to talk about festivals because I really feel like they're buffets of music. And there might be some good gems in there, but it's, you know, this weird buffet table with a lot of people that are just anxious to wolf everything down. And I don't think festivals are necessarily a place to uh, find new music. It's more about having a party, so... I don't know. <laughs> Craig? Um, I would never go. Um, <laughs> I would never go to an outdoor festival again. Right. I'm done forever. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. Um, I I would rather be, I, I mean, I don't like big crowds to begin with, and I don't like the, I don't like camping at all. So an overnight festival just wouldn't work for me, regardless of who it was. And I always believe that, like, if you were, if you had a list of bands you want to see before you died, and I saw one of those at a festival, I wouldn't count that. Because I'm not yeah. seeing their live show, I'm just seeing yeah. them go up on someone else's stage and do their thing. But yeah. I think I think it, what's interesting is trying to figure out Coachella's, because I remember when Coachella was starting, and the, sort of the demographics that they're chasing or that naturally go have changed a lot. So I think they're really, they're, it's a really older. they're casting a wide net. So they're still trying to be like hip and cool with like LCD yeah. sound system, and even some of, this year, I counted, I think I only recognized 43 of the bands, and there's like 160. Wow. And, I mean, I have my ear to the ground pretty good, but they're sort of like, well, we have to get DJs, and we have mm. to get rock bands, and we have to get rappers, and we have to get hipster bands. And buffet. I'll, yeah. The buffet. And then like, so you're looking through, <laughs> and it's like, well, I remember Pete Yorn, and it's weird that he's on the same bill as Ice Cube, is on the same bill as <laughs> right. whoever Miami Horror are, you know? Yeah. Which doesn't really make sense, but... It, again, I think it is just let's go party, you know, and that's what it's become. And they seem to be do a good job of marketing that. What do you think, Ryan? Well, I think I'm kind of with these guys. It's like I think you look at this. Well, first of all, how much does it cost to go? Like it, hundreds. I think three or four hundred dollars for a yeah. general admission sure. pass. And then you fly down all that stuff like that. To me, it's like if, for instance, PJ Harvey's putting out a new record. I'm more excited about that. Um, I'd rather f- take my money, fly to London and see her at a show because I these are people that are there for that show. I like Whereas, your thinking. Yeah, because mm-hmm. to me it's like flying to go see all these bands with people that I don't like and I didn't like. <laughs> I, didn't, I mean, Guns N' Roses even. It's like I get it. Everyone's really hip, but I don't remember. I remember being in high school. I'm sure I like Sweet Child of Mine, but I remember the dudes who liked Guns N' Roses didn't like me and I didn't like them kind of thing. Like why would I want to <laughs> go see that? It's like I don't think – but I, did, I mean, like, interesting enough, the bands I'd want to go see – You'd be surprised. Like, Seth Jan Stevens, of course, and, and I, I guess uh, Ice Cube. I, I, strangely enough, I like Ice Cube. Um, Who doesn't in his, like Ice Cube? Right? Like, uh, I don't know. The Predator's great. Uh, Beach House. But I guess at the same time, it's just I can't picture myself going with that many people. And if you even just listen to our music for a little bit, hear our lyrics, I can't imagine where you'd get anything out of there that we'd want to be a part of that because we're just, I don't know, recluses for the most part. We <laughs> sit. But at the same time, I mean, if you like this, it's great. And I've heard it's very civil. Uh, it's just not my thing. And it's like sitting in the desert heat. I'm a redhead, man. That would just suck. 
You'd fry instantly. Oh, man. Not good. Mm-hmm. Not good. The Coachella reveal, though, is always a big deal and kind of sets the stage for festivals around the world, including those in Edmonton. Yeah. Who would you like to see come north this year? So, first of all, I just want to say one thing, by the way. We do like playing festivals because you get treated <laughs> really well. So if yeah. you're listening to this and it's like, we actually love it, especially... Uh, Terry Wickham, we'd love to come play that little folk fest you put on there and whatever. But anyways, I guess, uh, who would I like to see? Uh, I like Stuff Chan Stevens. Uh, his new record, his last record was fantastic in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. And that's on I this list. I just wouldn't want to see him at a no. festival with mm-hmm. 70,000 people. Maybe Beach House? But they just came. Yeah, they did. I didn't go, because I don't like leaving the house that often anyways. And it's like, the, the last two big shows, there's two shows that were stu- really stood out for me this year. Uh, maybe it wasn't this year, but I was seeing Nick Cave, which we were all at. Right, that was, that that was, was a while back. Yeah, but yeah. that was, mm-hmm. I would go to that. That was a bucket list show, and that was amazing. And then um, Craig put on a show at the Wonder Bar, if you remember, Distance Play, Distance Bullock. Yeah. Who I think you and I both years. are big fans of. Yeah, I think we're like his Edmonton fans. Well, yeah, and we've played with him a few times, but the, he's just so great. But we, he pulled the benches in. It was quiet. There might have been 12 people there. Yeah. It was so intimate and great, and that's kind of more mm-hmm. my thing. Right. Okay, let's move on. Sure. Another recent big reveal is the fact that an American company, Yonder, has come up with a case that disables cell phones at concerts. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this possibility? Our funniest story is we played Calgary the Ironwood one time, and this is, it's really funny, we were playing, it was a a really quiet crowd is what we kind of play, and it's like, they were there, they were silent, they were, we had them, and we're looking in the audience, and we're kind of trying to make eye contact with people at times. And this guy, his phone started ringing. Didn't even bother turning the ringer off. He looked at it for a second. You, you can't see me doing this, but if you could, he looked at his phone for a second, let it, let it ring again, then answered it. Answered it. It was dead song, one of our quietest songs. And then said, hey, uh, yeah, I'm here. Are you coming? And then he's like, no, the game's, the game's not. Okay, it's still on? Okay. And then he's like, no, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. You, they, I mean, they're fine. Yeah, come on out. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, people are, like, turning and, like, watching this. And finally, like, someone looked at him, and it's like, he stood there for a sec, kept talking. Well, he, he actually stood up with his phone, and he was in the, close to the front. So not only was he talking really loud, he was blocking someone's view behind him. <laughs> yeah, so that Just happened. totally clueless. So I'm this okay with it. not a young person either. It was no. someone that... So yeah. you're okay with blocking cell phones I, you know at what it, gigs? I've, I've been to a couple things. I've seen plays ruined. I've been to a few plays. You know, to be honest with you, I go mm. to more plays and I probably go to music stuff. But it's like, uh, I would rather, yeah, I'd rather the, be disabled. That's my opinion. I've seen movies wrecked. I've seen people <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Sure. I wouldn't mind, but but that's just me. There is a hilarious article. It wasn't hilarious for who was involved, but it was. I think it was a Broadway show. And I guess someone in the audience before the show began walked up onto the set and plugged their phone oh, into a fake that. outlet. So oh. they were using this set, like just this, yeah, this idea of, uh, you know, you guys are entertaining me and whatever, Such like there's just no, wow. yeah, there's no separation between, you know, the magic on stage and the audience. It's just like, we're just another part of the busy world that's around them. Everyone's kind of a narcissistic. Uh. Craig, you used to own you used to co-own Wonder Bar. What kind of cell phone blunders have you seen? Well, I think for me, the weirdest thing I've seen, and it was it was really strange contextually, is bef- back in the day before cell phones had cameras, um, I had a friend, and he would always want to go to shows. This is back in Nova Scotia. And he would be like, this band's playing tonight. They're amazing. They're one of my favorites. You have to go. And we would go, and I would stand up front, and he would stand directly in front of the band with his crappy digital camera above his head taking video. And just holding it in one hand above his head, completely straight faced, and with his eyes like he's about to fall asleep, as if it's his job. 
And then the show would end. At the end of every show, he'd be like, that was amazing. And I'm like, you stood <laughs> with a camera yeah. taking the worst quality video. You didn't move. You didn't dance. You didn't show any emotion. And I thought it was such a strange thing. But now you fast forward, and it's like mm. 15 years later, and that's what people do. Like, they go to shows, and you, if, especially a big show, because if you go to anywhere, I would say Starlight Room or bigger, your video's going to look like garbage and sound like garbage. You know, like, sometimes if it's a small venue and someone's trying to take, like, this is beyond the idea of just talking on your phone, mm -hmm. which is nuts. But... If you're even like trying to capture a memory of taking photos and video, mm -hmm. sometimes in a small venue where you're like, this concert means a lot to me, I want a memory of it, sure. For myself, I enjoy shows because of a way it's resonated with me and I don't need a photo to remind me of that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm at a bigger show, if I'm at Starlight Room or bigger, I promise someone who is a photographer by trade is there taking pictures that are gonna look better than mine. Mm -hmm. So I can, and they're not hard to track down. You know, you can track them down, download them. But it's so funny to just see, like, during a show, there's eight people taking bad photos. And it's so confusing to me. And that's a small show. And then sometimes, like, I'll go to a show at Starlight Room, and there'll be 100 people in the crowd all taking bad video and bad photos. And I think that's really stupid. And the more intimate the show, the better your phone behavior has to be. I think if it's like a big room and you can tuck yourself into a corner and you have to send some text messages, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're at a small show that you paid to get into, being on your cell phone is rude. Have you ever worked with an artist who didn't want phones at a show? No, I've never had any. I make people come to accept it begrudgingly. It's just so much part of it. Um, one thing that was really interesting that I started seeing is uh, twice at Wonder Bar, during very intimate shows, um, small crowds, where people who would go and sit very close to the stage and start reading a book. Mm. Oh. I've seen that. And yeah. I don't know if it's you some sort of like, too. I don't know if it's some sort of like, <laughs> in case none of you figured it out, I know how to read. But it's also like, you're sitting in front of someone who's singing and reading. Yeah. like. The it's not even easy. Like reading in the dark's very hard. Like at least you're on your cell phone, you'd be like, Oh, my mom's sick or something, you know? Yeah. But like you're reading a book, it's like you can read that in the bathroom later. Come on. I think that's I mean, we're talking about crowd etiquette a little bit here and it's like, I think that's what we're kinda of getting at. Yeah. And there's times I've in Vancouver once I've had two instances in Vancouver. One one of the there's a, a a photographer once who literally got on stage and took a picture about like one inch from my face. <laughs> and then another time but there was one time a guy we were playing a room and it was really quiet and it was really cold but this one guy snuck in I saw him sneak in with his two girls and he's so loud and finally I'm like guy I will give you five bucks to leave nope ten I'll do it here's ten and I, I kind of stopped everything it was awkward it was weird sure but everyone there had paid so if I play a free show I don't mind if you talk that's fine if we played the Empress a while back and sure. said have at her it's you yeah. didn't pay. but if you if half the people here uh, you know half the people everyone paid to get in except for you and you're well it doesn't make a difference who it is you're ruining this for other people and I guess it's that empathy I think that's what we're talking about right now is empathy right. with mm -hmm. cell phones with whatever and it's like if you're causing an annoyance or distraction just stop and it's like I think I think it's just asking yourself a few questions like how is this helping the show or the performance right now am I making it worse for everyone or whatever and am I in the moment but I did snap a shot uh, at Nick Cave I think and for local artists I will take a picture and try to promote it, and it's like cross-promotion. Except for, like, I'll get on the phone. If Tyler Butler is playing, I will get on that phone and call my mom. Just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just even what? No, I'm just teasing. I love No, Tyler. but also, I've been there when you take a photo. I think you took one at the Distance show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But 
I did you also do it in a very non-invasive way. Yeah. Right, where like the only reason I knew was because I was sitting right next to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you put the phone away. But nothing's worse like someone like butting in front of you. Yeah, if someone butts in front of me with a professional camera, I'm like, that's cool. I get it. But if someone butts in front of me with their cell phone, I'm like, <laughs> that's stupid. The professional shots too really are great, and they're yeah. and they're I I think we all get it, and they're there for a reason. I think people understand. But usually professionals are very careful about not distracting the concert. You know for what I mean? Sure, they're very careful. Yeah. Did the guy leave? Did you pay him uh, off? I, I didn't have to pay him. He just got up. I think he got pissed. And I, there was, I've actually, the I've also st- basically when Ryan said that, it gave the staff a little bit more confidence to approach him. And so he ended up leaving I, eventually. I did call a bunch of people realtors one time. I'm like, if the table of realtors could just keep it down. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, I, like I'm, I'm actually, and you have no shame. And no, no. he was like, I understand it's the deal of your life. <laughs> It's a deal of your life. You're gonna close that big <laughs> suburban deal. It's, but you know, I no, I don't have. Sh- I, here's the thing: if the staff won't do it, me as an artist, uh, you as have a to. musician, look, a lot of people paid money to come there, and I want them to experience it as well. Yeah. And it's like I, I don't want to be this guy. I would never complain if I'm not winning the audience over. I'm not winning them over. So it's my problem. I have to do uh, my job to get them to be quiet. If it's one person or two people. I'll ask them to keep it down. And I, now, recently, it's like uh, we played a show, I think, in Lethbridge, and I said, hey, everyone seems to be quiet. Oh, no, I, I don't, it doesn't matter where it is, but it was like I said, great, we're using inside voices. That's fantastic. And, and after that, everyone got it. Like, invi- And Brian, our guitarist, said, you know, I wish more artists would just invite people to listen and stuff like that. Like, don't mm-hmm. demand it, but shut people up by your playing, but at the same time, invite them to listen and stuff. Yeah, like invite right. them to be, I think people need to be reminded to be mindful, and that's something that our culture doesn't really promote like be the busier we are the better the more things you've got coming at you yeah. the faster that you can respond to people um, but rather than just like sitting in a dark room with a bunch of people and just being in this moment in this song because that's what the artist wants to do they want to create a moment for you and it's just like if you really want to enjoy the full experience it's just learning that mindfulness again put down mm. your things like it, it's your time to escape I think uh, Tyler Butler, all, our, a good friend to all of us, is my favorite. I think he's the best at shutting down a talker in the crowd. Yeah. Because he doesn't say a word, but he has a very politely intense glare yeah. that he'll mm-hmm. flash, and he can just shut someone down without saying anything. And it's really good. Like I've seen it on a number of occasions. Yeah. But again, sometimes if you're working against a room, if you're working against a loud, like, I saw uh, Craig Finn from the Hold Steady at yeah. um, Sled Island a couple years back, and I love him. And it was, I think, his first time, what I heard was it was his first time ever playing solo acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at the Palomino, and I was probably three rows deep from the from their small basement stage, and I couldn't hear a word he was saying. Right. Because everyone around me, it was like you just, like, let a hockey game out oh and let no. a bunch of ra- and I was just like well we're losing this battle there's no way Craig Fee can do anything to reclaim this room no matter how hard he tries it's done so I'm going home you know what uh, I actually as an audience member I remember there's two occasions like uh, what irritates me more I understand the audience I've had to go and silence the staff at yeah. a local establishment here and I was like and I literally went over to the bartender and I said you know what you guys are talking but you're ruining it for me and you need to keep it down. Like this is like, and actually, one time, do you remember Vic Chestnut came and yes, he, and his yeah. niece did the, one of the most amazing shows, Lizarette, 
and it was dead silent. And the staff ordered, they all got uh, Tim Hortons and were opening up their brown paper bags. One of the quietest shows I've ever been to. And then at Frank Black, actually, one time I had to, I had to, this guy actually was using his phone and talking to his friend. Like, this is when they're going to do the Fight Club song. And I was like, okay, oh, no. guy, you need to keep it down. And it's like a few people around me were like, is he really going to do this? And it's like, people won't blow up at you. You be polite and, you know, don't, I, I didn't freak at them. I just simply said, would you mind actually keeping it down? I'm trying to watch the show, actually. And I think people need to be more assertive that way. Right. Last year, there was a big debate about uh, moshing. Right. Mm. And as someone who grew up going to punk rock shows and hating moshing, ever since I was a kid, I hated it. Yeah. I think it's rude. I think it's stupid. That's my take. Mm-hmm. I n- understand there's certain types of music that allow for it. And as someone who does not like getting moshed into, I have no problem finding a place to be where it's unlikely that's going to happen. But I always say you should act accordingly depending on the vibe of the room. Absolutely. So, like, if you're at a quiet show, don't talk loud. Yeah. If you're at a punk show, you can talk loud. If you are at a punk show where your friend's band's playing on a small stage and you want to go up and grab the mic and sing a chorus, do it. You're not going to do that in an F&M show. One of your friends <laughs> is going to come and just grab the mic from you and start screaming along. No, not likely, no. But, you know, there's, like... <laughs> There's just different behaviors depending on different situations, and I don't understand how people, like at a quiet show, will not understand that they're the only person in the room talking. <laughs> yeah. You know, like everyone else is fixated on the band, and they're the only one. You know, it's it's so it's so weird to me. Like, it'd be like if I was just like in a restaurant just smoking. Right. It didn't occur to me that no one else is smoking. <laughs> you know, like just look around and see what's up. And if you're standing out. It's probably not good. How do you feel about stage diving? Oh, it's it's dumb. All of it's dumb. Stage diving scares me. Agreed. Stage diving scared me more when I, I start running a venue. I want to do it once in my life, and that's it. You'd come to an F and M show, okay. and you'll be allowed to stage dive <laughs> our stage. Watching people, one actually, oh man, it was really funny because Wonder Bar was the crowd so small, like by nature, and the stage is so short yeah. that it doesn't allow for stage diving very well. <laughs> But I've seen two of my staff members, uh, Ryan, who later went on to be an owner before when I had just met him, he stage dove onto around three people. <laughs> yeah, he did. And then those <laughs> people, and he was wasted. Those people were just basically trying to hold him in the air. And then they were drunk, and he fell and landed directly on his neck. And I just went, oh, he died. That kid died. <laughs> like, our bar is closing forever because that kid died. And... Matt Murphy, um, on our last show, he wanted to stage dive during a Desiderata set. Right. And he was, like, prepping everyone. He's a big guy. And Matt's like, guys, I'm going to stage dive. Can everyone just make sure you catch me? (laughs) And he didn't get very high in the air. And this all happened very fast, but he basically just leaned on people until they lifted (laughs) him. And I was thinking, like, this seems very much like just some guys carrying Matt. And just then, Lane, st- or one of the guys in Desi, stepped backwards and hit the power bar. So all the amps shut off. And so now there's no music, and there's just like five guys carry- holding that in the air. Then I was like, oh, that died. And then they had to like really gingerly put him down. It was very embarrassing. That's really funny. Silent. Have you had any stage divers at your shows, Ryan? Uh, we, you know what? When, when we first started, actually, we did have a lady come up oh. and demand to play the spoons on my bum. <laughs> She, yeah. put, she was. Awesome. She, she was from. She, did, she, was she from wouldn't the take on your She wouldn't bum. take no. Yeah. yeah, she wouldn't take no for an answer. So she just came up and played on Ryan's bum. Oh, that's and great. And then <laughs> yeah. Ryan like, uh, one year was after a Christmas party where he was Santa. This is more not quite stage diving, but. What did I do? 
Oh, <laughs> when he fell asleep. Yeah, when he fell asleep at the mic. So he just, he stage tipped and hit I the know, microphone and then uh, grabbed the microphone and tipped back. But when, yeah, he when almost. When I'm really stressed and tired and, yeah. and whatever, I actually am somewhat narcoleptic. I'll just fall asleep. And it's like, a, people have seen it. Uh, I've done it yeah. in a few places. So I'm probably never at the Wonder Bar. But, but this one time of show, I've been doing a ton and we used to play, no, uh, we played, we were a house band when we first started out. We, we'd play O'Burns and you'd play four hours. And then it was like, Playing, playing, and also my head tilted and it hit the mic. It was like, but I fell asleep at the mic. It tipped. He, <laughs> even, I I bo- even I bored myself. But his reflexes, you really tipped really forward. Like it was, I don't understand how it was possible, like physics wise. So <laughs> Phil, Phil from the artery actually jumped on stage and sang with us. We, he was, yes. he was, we. It was sort of planned out, but he just hopped up there and he sang one of our, one of my songs for me. And I said, like, I can sing along. He's like, no, that's okay. I've got this one. Cool. Great. He did a great job too. He did a great job. Have you have you ever st- staged over yourself? Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I went to a Bronx show. I think uh, it might have been Six Finger Satellite. Do you remember? Oh that yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, yeah. But I think they're from Seattle. But I saw them here. Right. And I think I saw them with like Super Friends or something like that. And it was like it was I I I think I was in the moment. It was a pretty safe thing. And there was. Like there was moshing happening. I remember not ever being into that. I was never really into grunge, but I had friends that were and stuff like that. And it's like so I went. It was it was cool, but I, I did it. I I I don't think it was really a stage. I have so much that I jumped on top of people. I, right. I, I can't recall mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. I was always scared of being stepped on. I was always scared <laughs> of people <laughs> dropping me. Hmm. Well, they weren't so friendly. All the, like some people like they'd also like do rude things, right? Like you're getting carried across, and you'd see people take shots at people and things like that. And it's right. Like, this isn't cool. No. It's not my thing. Not my thing. Mm-hmm. So, Craig, um, later on we're going to go moshing. Have sure. you? Not at the concert. you're a big fella. Yeah, I wasn't always quite this big a fella. But no, but a you're fella. tall. I, but yeah, but... You're seven feet tall. I uh, <laughs> I did a... Uh, I stage drove, really, I got very, very drunk. And I was at a karaoke night. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was seeing karaoke. And I don't know if it was kind of for the joke or in my mind I thought everyone was really into it. But I stage dove into no crowd because everyone's sitting at a wig night. But I did land on a table and send wings flying everywhere and really hurt my knees and then get asked to leave. And then I did it again the next week. Like, same song, same stage dive, same result. What, when I was first what coming... What song were you singing? Yeah, what? Um, White Snake. Here, Here I, I go. go again. Yeah. I saw that live. Really? Got free tickets to White Snake. Steve Vitor. That's awesome. <laughs> Is it? Maybe. Uh, could be, you could do worse. Yeah. I'm just laughing here. This, this is this this is this is. Mm-hmm. Odd. I think it's the wine. <laughs> Speaking of that, while you're asking some more, okay. I'm gonna pour well, some more. Well, I was gonna talk now about New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Mm. I hate making them for myself. In fact, I never do. But let's make them for others. Mm-hmm. What are some of your New Year's resolutions for the city of Edmonton? It doesn't have to be musical. It can be something related to the LRT or, I don't know, anything. Hmm. Craig? I don't know. Um, how would we improve the city is basically what we're saying. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. There's so many things that are just like I'm not educated enough on mm. where like I'm sure there might be a better way to build the LRT, but I wouldn't know how to do it, so I don't want to, you know. Do you have a pet peeve? I've, my whole life is pet beats. I'm a hard <laughs> man to anger. I'm an easy man to annoy. Um, I think we should have uh, Edmonton show up its restaurant game more. It's yeah. doing great, mm. but it needs to keep going. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. 
I'm very excited for the possibility of um, downtown development so that White Ave can not be as horrible on weekends. Yeah. Right. I'm really excited for White Ave to shrink back down to its normal, non-bloated yeah. size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I'm also, I think, seeing uh, like the optimism that has come with all these new venues opening in the city, which we've talked about a lot, is very great. And I think people need to step up and match their, I guess, everyone's so excited, but they need to actually try to keep some of them alive. Yes. And uh, We have to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how all of that unfolds. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it'd be good for Edmonton just to, it's time, like, we, we, we were such, with the oil industry not as booming as it was, um, I think there's no reason for Edmonton to not put its art and culture to the forefront more. And I always, that was my first impression when I came to Edmonton, yeah. is, like, when you come into Halifax, you just feel it. You feel that there's art and culture there. And the city, in every possible way, just pushes that. And I feel like, and I mean, there's tons of other cities that do that too, right? Like you see places like Austin and that like really push their art and music forward. And Edmonton should, because why not? You know, like, and if the oil comes back, it's still going to be there. Like, you know, we can still push our art and culture. But I think it's just kind of a bummer that we have so many cool things here. This city has like a lot of really cool amenities for entertaining yourself whether it's like the museum, the music. Um, we have places like Windspear, which is spectacular. And like, we have things like the Folk Fest, which it's outdoor concert. I won't go to it. It's great that we have it. <laughs> um, and like all of these things, but we need to push them. And like, we need to sh- like show even the people within the city what's happening in their city. So they might, they might care. Yeah, but Craig, and just with one thing is like one you shouldn't be the guy that's expected to go to the folk fest and stuff like this we can't rely on our artists and and the people making the scene going to these things to keep it alive it's like you know it's a tough thing and it's like people often say do you want to go see a band it's like well i just got off tour and saw like played and everyone who opened yeah. or like that there was like a hundred bands i just saw the last thing i want to see is a band it's got to be everyone but the big thing is connecting people to the city like make it easy mm-hmm. to get to these shows um like I, I don't know what the answer is, but at the same time, it's like if they could be a little more central and really like a, a district for a bunch of bars, kind of like in Austin, you know? It's like mm-hmm. you wander around and there's yeah, this like place. Yeah, like a music row. Place. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Edmonton Live um, Music Initiative, that's one yeah. of their ideas. Ideas, yeah. yeah. I think that it's, but it's also like part of me worries to some degree where like when we see industries that just aren't as viable as they used to be, mm. some things just die out. Like when some guy who's like put his whole life into opening a store that sells pagers is like, <laughs> man, I just, I don't know. People just aren't supporting the pager industry anymore. True. And I'm going to go to the city for help because just no one's buying my pagers. Everybody's like, dude, that's stupid. And so now when I see like younger people who are maybe everything from more into maybe DJ culture than live music, live band culture, which is in this city. That DJ scene seems to keep growing. Like, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And live music culture, not so much. And although things like Coachella are still going to do well, I'm starting to think, and like with the advent of the internet, where like before to see new music, I'd have to go to shows when I was growing up. I didn't have a computer. It's like I watch, watch music, I read magazines, and I go to shows. And now any kid 
in the developed world can find any music they want anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think the need to to go to shows is not as important. Really and so I guess point. my fear is that what if it's just kind of a natural decline that way, right? And it's gonna it's it's like not gonna die off ever. It won't be pagers, but maybe it's just gonna be one of those things where you can't have a for profit business that's going to make a lot of money on music. It might be, but I think the one thing we have to recognize is like pushing for the arts. I really like what you said there, but um, I'm struck by the fact that this isn't oil, uh, an oil industry town kind of thing where it's boom and bust. We need to attract, and that's what we've talked about a lot in the community, is attract people who can bring more to the table, not just dropouts who can push a broom for a hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And what I'm getting at is cool people with really great educations come for cool things, and they don't just move to Edmonton because of the money. They want to have a culture. They want to have this stuff there. If we build an amazing city with the infrastructure there to help support what you're talking about, I think we'll also attract more things. It's good for business. It's good for everyone. And what, I guess dialing back to what you're saying, I don't know if live music has died out so much as we brought and attracted a bunch of people that one scare people away from White Ave. Because mm-hmm. if you do go to White Ave, it's not fun. It's not. No. And then if you go there on a Friday, it's really not fun. It's scary. And so then people don't go out and stuff like that. But if we attract people that are going to build a neighborhood, want to stay there, and the thing is, you don't, you, don't, you don't act gross in your own neighborhood. These are people that just plunk themselves here for a couple of months, make some money, and get high on coke and just go nuts on a weekend, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I, and I, I'm not trying to dismiss it. Everyone has a right to make a living, whatever, but it's just like I'm kind of tired of people coming to my city I was born and raised in and treating it so poorly because this is what we need. This is what I want in the city. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Becky, I think you want to say something. Oh, well, um, yeah, at one point I was going to interject. Um, just going back to, I guess, what the youth, what the youth of the city want and like what's, what's cool. But I think there needs to be um, places on the university campus. Mm. Like we still have you know, community radio and university radio, but we really need to bring back um, our bars and venues that actually had cool live music and kind of give kids the opportunity to, I don't know. Like the power plant. To see how it grows, yeah. Power plant, Yeah. I I totally agree, and I think that it's interesting because I think youth is the key. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think there's also an, an interesting, I think, mindset where, like, when did you when were you guys in your first bands uh, I'm a late bloomer so okay. we, the, the problem is a lot of <laughs> well, it was I guess high school I sort of was in a band high school sure <laughs> high school okay yeah. and so approximate year I, I did my first one in junior high so I would have been like kind of oh the year it yeah. happened uh, uh, you're dating like me no one wants to do that on the 93 <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have done my first band in late 89 Sure. In junior high, kind so of. Yeah. And we were ter- I'm, I'm only saying this because I think generationally we're all ballpark of each other. Sure, yeah. So I know that back then, if you were in a band oh, yeah. and you wanted to make a record, it was either you put um, some sort of tape recorder in the middle of the room and hope for the best, yeah. or maybe you know a guy who has a cassette four track who you pay a couple hundred bucks, or you go to a studio and spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And to tour, the idea of touring and getting on a phone mm. and hassling people who have never heard of your band. You can't just be like, I'll email you my demos, right? And like, oh, I'll email you all this stuff. It didn't exist. So it was a little more daunting to tour. And so as a band, it took more commitment to be a serious band back then. Like, a, mm-hmm. it was either sort of like you were just screwing around yeah. or you were very serious. And now, because everyone has a computer program that can make sound okay at home and record something okay, touring, you can send an email, 
it's mind-boggling to me the amount, the sheer number of bands now who are touring who aren't ready to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe that, that, that ruins it for yeah. people. And also, to, you know what, you don't, somebody, one of my friends played here recently uh, from the East Coast, and they were on tour, their agent put them on tour with, this is probably like their sixth time across Canada, Yeah. and they put in a lot of work, and they still don't draw a big crowd. You know, they are good for on a good day, 30 people. And yeah. they were on tour with a band from Ontario, who their agent threw on, who have never played here, have no radio play here. And they were like, it's kind of ruining the tour. They're nice guys, mm -hmm. but they bring nothing to the table. They're from Toronto. They didn't even play with, they didn't even join the tour till Ottawa. So they brought nothing to the table this entire tour. They're just another band on the bill who's bringing out nobody. And they're good, but being good's not good enough. No. no. You, like, you can't just be good and expect that a town's gonna care. And I think right now the problem is there's a bit of entitlement with every band who thinks that because they're good, like it, it's not a, unfortunately music's not like a union where like the if you put in your work you deserve some sort of crowd. Yeah, you need to be good. You need to market yourself. Well, all these things, and so I think that part of it is getting young kids out, getting people interested, and however we have to do that. Like we talked about my strategy, but it's. And, and like Ryan said, bringing cool people here. I think the first thing we have to do to make this town cool, because we can build all the amenities in the world, sure. and they could yeah. be like the Simpsons monorail. But <laughs> like, you never know how it works I'm in out. Favor. But yeah, it's true. It worked out <laughs> all right. But I think that to do that, we have to keep our cool people here mm -hmm. because yeah. you're Edmonton. Are you Edmonton born and raised? Yeah. Rebecca? Okay, yeah. and you're Edmonton born and raised. Almost. Peace River. That's so rare, right? Like, right. I mean, look how many people. Or the opportunities that all of you would have had to leave this town at some point, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. it's tempting at times. So I think to get cool people to come here, we need to keep our cool people because we're just giving them to Vancouver and we're giving them yeah. to Montreal. We're giving them to even Calgary. But well, I think Rebecca and I, mm -hmm. we even fled the city and yeah. came back, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> well, we're, I mean, we all have, actually, yeah. we both moved yeah. to Europe and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, right. You know, I, I think what you're talking about too is like, look, the, one of the dangers we have is we, we go to Toronto, we're massively underwhelmed. And that's not an offense to Toronto, but there's everyone learns how to be a Toronto band. And, they're, and, and they become Toronto bands and they come back. Um, we need to but worry also, about regional Yeah, stuff. because people assume Toronto is going to be the answer for them. And it's like, well, if you're a specific type, like there is, I don't know. But then you just, you have to be established enough in what you do, your sound, so that you can not just be another Toronto band. Well, mm -hmm. And you're still going to be a really tiny, tiny fish in a big sea. Like, whereas yeah. if you stay in Edmonton, you have the opportunity to build something more unique because we don't really have an industry. We have a community. Right. We, have a community. And we have a few different communities that are trying to work together. But like our, an actual strong industry presence, we really don't, which can work in our favor. You can build something really unique and you have the opportunity to be a big fish in a small pond. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, is we're talking about oversaturation too. Yeah. There's two things. One, what I was saying about in, uh, being a regional thing, I, I think Edmonton breeds a certain kind of music. You can't but become thoughtful because of the cold. I mean, it's a beautiful thing and I, I, I gravitate to it. And so does Rebecca, I think. Um, can't speak for her, but there is a- You just also, did. I just did. But, <laughs> but there's also- job. But, and everybody, and everybody can, and you're right, everyone can make a record now, because it's super easy. You can make it sound like a record, you can make yourself sound like a band, but should you? Because I mean, like, just because, I mean, everyone can murder someone, doesn't mean you should, right? Right. And, and it's this oversaturation with bands, and it's, there's just bands and songwriters everywhere. And it used to be really hard to get on stage when we first started, because we're, we're in the middle, like we started off 
kind of like we were a little bit late bloomers because when everything was smoky we couldn't sing in the smoky bars once it became smoke free we could play all the time so what happened was is we're kind of in the middle of things and um what i found was when we first started even just playing like the sidetrack and we did play in the smoky bars just not long but just to get on that stage was really hard we'd have to bang on the doors go in there and they would say nope not yet not yet not yet and it was really really hard to get mm-hmm. on stage and it's like I don't know. There's just some bands that shouldn't be allowed on a stage. I've watched them, and it's like it's not rude. It's just you've seen them, Craig. It's like they how many of them played your bar, and might, people might not like us, but we're good. And what you said is we're not good. That isn't enough, actually. There, there no, has to be more. But we're doing what we want to be doing, so that's success for us, right? Yeah. And but we, you know, I, do but you know what I mean? Everyone deserves a chance to start and experiment oh, yeah. and totally. to be horrible. But, <laughs> but you have to start I, somewhere. I totally agree with you. And, but what's but interesting is. I think bands in general have to have an understanding of where they are in not only the pecking order, but in their place in the world as far as a crowd, Um, what crowd they draw, what kind of band they are, which is like I said earlier, like I've been getting a lot of requests from cover bands. And I'm like, you didn't even research if you think that's what I'm doing, right? I don't think we said this on the air though. No, we we didn't. No. But um, Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, and like you said, there's certain stages where I, and you know what? When my, during my uh, brief tenure at Starlight Room, we put on a show one day where a bunch of different promoters picked a band and we got them to play the big stage. Bands who don't get to play that big stage. Mm-hmm. And it never really occurred to me. I'm like, not every band's ready for this big stage. They're fine. They're good, right? Yeah. And they're, most rooms are good, but when they're up there, you're like, ooh, what they're doing is not enough. <laughs> yep. right? Like They have to work on this a bit before yep. they should play a big stage. The best venues, yeah. the best venues are the ones across the country that'll say, "Hey, you know what? You're just not a fit." And we're like, "You know, at first you get offended by it, then later on you're like, "Thank you for not wasting my time for making right. me drive all the way to yeah. Saskatoon or well, I don't yeah. whatever." Yeah. So. And I, that's an answer I often give is like, when I say it's not a good fit, <clears throat> partially that means that I'm not super into what you're doing because if, if I'm in love with it, I'll make it work. Sure. But the other side is I won't do it justice. You know what I mean? I've, I, you have to be behind it. Yeah, like, I, why book a show with me if I can't promote it? I know I can't. Yeah. Well, sorry, do you want to say that? No. I was going to say, this is the thing about Craig, is um, uh, we're not... Uh, the one thing you did really well at Wonder Bar was you'd have quiet shows, loud shows, and they were promoted as such. I never loved the fact that you had eight shows, eight bands on a show. That was always one thing I never loved. How many bands? Like I mean, that. I'm exaggerating. It would be like four or five. I've always loved... I always like it when there's a local band, a touring band, and a young singer-songwriter who's going to get their first exposure, and they've been busting their ass. But that's just my opinion. It doesn't mean I was right. It doesn't mean whatever. It's just something I didn't like. But I do love some of the rooms you had. And I know if it was a loud night, and if I knew it was also a quiet night where I'm like, great, I can not bring my earplugs, and it'll be fantastic. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. and you did a very good job of that. But there's some venues you go to, and it's like, what are you doing up there? <laughs> Why is there a metal band with a rap band with a gospel choir? Like, it doesn't make any sense, and no one wants to watch. It's Coachella. Full circle. Exactly. Well, and, and that's actually, it's what's interesting is putting together a bill, there's an art to it. And when you're running a venue as a talent buyer, my favorite thing to do is just give the room to someone else sure. to do mm. it because I don't have to do much. And oftentimes that's when it ends up being four and five bands on a bill. Yeah. And because my, my ideal is three bands. I think three is perfect. I think two is great if you just want a night of like, we're going to chill out for a long time, we're going to play, we're going to chill out for a long time play and then hang out a bit more and that can be great it can be um that usually leads to really er, really early nights um <laughs> but three is perfect but what kills three is and i don't know when this logic started coming in but 
I understand the idea of if let's say F and M were being booked by an agency who said we have a very suitable band who has a bigger draw than you all over the country. Yep. Why don't you tour with them? Yep. And you'll be their support act, and then you can get out to more people. But this idea of two completely unknown bands going on the road yeah, together right. is yeah, so aggravating. Because I'm like, all you're doing now is either making me put together a four-band bill, which I don't like. I know. Or mm-hmm. put one local on and put all the pressure on them yeah. to bring out the crowd. So, I, I mean, I know it's fun to hang out with friends on the road. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more. We've gotten we've gone on another tangent. Yeah. We have. Yeah, we... What about our resolutions? Didn't really talk about New Year's resolutions. <laughs> That's okay. Do you have any? I have one small one, yeah. and it's related to festivals. Sure. Why can't we have nice-looking fencing? Ooh. Like it just it. I, I, every time I see fences, Ooh. I feel like it's a bit like I. F- it looks like it's. You didn't pay. We're keeping you out. Like it looks like it doesn't look friendly to me. It looks ugly. Prison like. Um, prison like. Yes. Yes. Like an internment <laughs> camp has like sprung up. Right. Like it's just. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just. It's very minor. But yeah. It bo- It bothers me. It bothers me we a lot. We could have graffiti walls. So fences. Well, we have a lot of public art initiative. Like why can't we yeah. weave something into those crappy fences they put up? Or, right. I don't know. I'm sure an artist or someone clever could make a better fence. Yeah. It's small, but it just would look make us look more welcoming, modern, and Absolutely. artistic city. Like I don't know, it would look better as a public yes. space and welcoming. Ryan, no. do you have any new yeah. resolutions so for the city? So mine is connected to the glass you have in front of me. If you take okay. a look at it, yes. uh, it's from Lisbon. We were there recently, and it's mm-hmm. um, they have wine trucks there. In and the it, parks. No. So yes, little trucks do. that might be powered by, like, you know, the tiny little vehicles or powered by bike. And they just and we'll, open up, and you... And can, we'll take a picture yeah. of this glass. We're going to put it, like, well, Instagram, because we're going to... If anyone's actually listening to F&M and Craig talk for this long, that would be amazing. <laughs> but there, there's a point of saying... Uh, this uh, is interesting. What are you talking about? So they had a wine truck, and it's and what it is is that glass you could bring around, you could recycle, and people could drink on the streets. I want a relaxation of, of our archaic liquor laws, because I think what they do is they make they force people to hide stuff. People are drinking, but the same people that are going to abuse alcohol are still going to abuse alcohol. And for the venues, like, wouldn't it have been amazing if, honestly, if someone goes up for a smoke at the Wonder Bar, it would have been amazing if someone could bring their beer with them. Because, like, really, who cares? Yeah. Just, I mean, if you teach it's, people, if yeah, you treat one people less like thing adults, to police, and then, yeah. Why? Why? Pol- it's it's kind of weird. I just, I, I'm a fan of regulations. I'm a, I'm, I'm a socialist at heart. I, I like big government. But sometimes I'm like, why are we doing this? Because I just, I, I flagrantly now do it. I just take it to the, we'll take wine and just sit in the park now. I don't care. Nice. And you know what? I'm not doing anything wrong. In fact, I'm helping the economy. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. I'm actually policing because I'm a nice guy who will watch if something illegal happens, I will call the police. Mm-hmm. But it's not on me. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, this is silly. And I, it's, you know what? It's the liquor laws in North America are just, just nuts. Mm-hmm. But also what's weird is I don't know why society as a whole can't grasp that when you start making it seem like something is illegal in most situations that there's going to be a bit of a rebellious attitude towards it exactly right i I agree because there's still a glamorization of alcoholics that still happens despite the fact that we know better right where we like look at hemingway and all these people like these guys were over the edge why does he keep looking at me (laughs) <laughs> Hemingway, Whatever, Ryan Anderson. Um, but no, it's what's funny is like even as a guy who owned a bar. Yeah, if you could go to a convenience store and get a beer and drink it walking down the street, mm. I would have no problem with that. And I feel like 
what then would happen is the reason people go to a place like a bar, they still exist in countries where you can have a drink on the street. Oh, Bars very much exist. Yeah. And But what then would bring them in is what are you providing that the street is not providing. Right. And so right. all of a sudden, all the crappy bars that exist purely for binge drinking and partying don't exist anymore so much. So smart. Right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I want to go see a band, and I'll get a yeah. drink because that's what we do within reason. Do you know, and I think I, th- I think you're, you're making good sense, and it's like, I, I first of all, I want to uh, full disclaimer that I don't smoke marijuana. I don't necessarily support it. I don't think it's our biggest problem. I hope we legalize and decriminalize it because I don't have a problem with it. Um, but I, I was like trying to figure out like one of my other resolutions, I'd l- and I put it on this thing I put out there that I want viable change for there to be a music industry, including for venues and stuff. I gotta be honest and say like the artery, like if you had a little weed dispensing thing there, might cover the cost a little bit over the side. Like if you had the Wonder Bar and you could like sell weed on the side, pretty sure you could have covered off some of those costs that weren't happening. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, totally. let's let our venues sell the weed. It's like, they're going there anyways. And it's like, I and we and I want to say again, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't yeah. advocate for it. I don't think inhaling smoke is ever smart. But people are going to smoke it or are going to smoke it. And it's like, let's just put it out there and take it out of the hands of other people. Mm-hmm. I'd rather other criminals like Craig Martell who will just rip up. No, I kidding. Yeah, <laughs> remove, <laughs> remove that Such rebellion from it. Yeah. Like what Craig said. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not something that's a vice. It's like, <laughs> no. It's not so exciting to try to break the law. Because there's nothing to break. <laughs> and and the, it, what people like, like you guys say, people are gonna do it anyway. Like, I'm. I don't also uh, don't ever smoke weed, but I fully support people who want to. And we had like rules at Wonder Bar where like clearly you couldn't smoke it in the bar. If someone's out front smoking it, I'm like, if you could just like walk ten feet away from me, That'd like be great. walk yeah. ten feet away mm-hmm. behind the building, I'm cool with it. Um, and being real, in this city, in Edmonton, Alberta. If any place is open past 10 p.m., someone's doing blow in the bathroom, <laughs> right? I don't care if it's got classy restaurants. Just I don't care if it's a classy <laughs> restaurant. I don't care if it's Wonder Bar. It happens. And it's just sort of like these things that people do because they're, there is like a stigma attached that it's not okay to do them, so people do them. Yeah. And I'm sure people do them because they like them too. But sure. at the same time, like, I think there'd be far less, like, teenage pot smokers if that pot smokers parents were openly smoking pot well and you know what i'll tell you what craig it's like if that pot was harder to get but right now i mean it's like if, if we're not getting any money from it as a community it's like there's a whole bunch of it. you know this is going way off <laughs> I, I think what we're talking about here though is is uh i i look for the city at, at the end of it my biggest resolution is i want the city to be fun and i really advocate for people to watch a film called the human scale which yeah. we watched on netflix and it's this documentary on how to make cities funner, better, more livable. And our city is not always so fun and livable. It's a beautiful city, there's great stuff. Mm-hmm. But I watched a guy on 109th struggle with a wheelchair the other day on like trying to make it up uh, a corner. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the best we can do? He couldn't get past the snowpacks. And I'm like, this is the ah. best we can do as a city? I want this city to be accessible. And I'm tired of people saying, we have to be res- fiscally responsible. I'm like, or we could think long-term, like the geothermal sidewalks, which, yes, right. they cost money. Mm-hmm. However, the amount will save on hospital bills, the amount will save on snow cleaning, everything else. I want long-term planning, and it seems to be happening, because I don't like people who crap on everything politicians do. Look, I think that's the other thing I would like to see, a little less vitriol. I, I want the, a little less nasty in this city, and, and, and in this province, in this country. I want it to be friendlier and kinder, mm-hmm. but I guess at the end of the day, what I hope for is just kinder to each other. And I think the city sometimes lacks it, and that means even the design we have, it's right down to uh, the way we treat each other at venues. Um, like, just be kind. Like, if you're 
watching a show and you pull out that phone, you might be irritating the person behind you and everyone else just, just everyone just be a bit kinder, I guess. I don't know. Okay. I guess I should wrap it up because we could go forever. Go forever. We could go forever. Awesome. Thanks to my guests, Ryan Anderson, Rebecca Anderson, and Craig Martell. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much, Sandra.